Welcome back to the Mailrite Show, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 403. And today what we're going to talk about is essentially, does your real estate newsletter suck? And hey, newsflash, if you don't have one, the answer is it really sucks. So we're going to get into this subject. We're uh, really looking forward to it. It's a literally as long as I've been in the business, almost 20 years now, not, not me, but in general, Newsletters have always worked. They've always worked. They work for everybody that does them in terms of keeping in touch and getting business. And before we get into exactly how you would go about doing that today, John is going to introduce himself to you. So buckle up, listen closely. Here you go. <laughs> Thanks for that, Rob. Um, I'm the joint founder of mail-right.com and we're a CRM, a lead generative platform, plus we provide a really lovely website built on WordPress with IDX functionality all combined in one great package. Back over to you, Rob. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know, newsletters are mostly done by email. Back in the day, before email was such a thing, people used to hand stamp, hand mail, and send out newsletters in bulk email, sometimes for as low as 10 cents per piece of mail. And these newsletters used to look like something called the penny saver, which only the older of you listening to the show will remember what the penny saver is. John, who's from England, probably doesn't even know what the penny saver was, but it was a little throwaway like a coupon cut sheet that used to get mailed out to everybody. And this was back in the days in which coupons were just super popular. You could literally send somebody a book of coupons, John, and, and people would keep them and use them. And, and people like realtors would advertise in the penny saver. And that gave some realtors the idea to st- send out their own newsletter with their own little coupons from local vendors and things like that. Well, today, newsletters are going to be a lot more about the lifestyle, a lot more about are you capable of being uh, a newsy kind of resource, a teacher, if you will, of your local area. That is what's really going to work today because we're inundated with marketing now. I, I open up my email box. I don't keep one piece of mail, but my stack is about this high. Every time. No exceptions. So I think we're all really, really marketed to now, John put down as the very, very first thing to talk about is he was definitely you when you wrote this together. You were we were discussing the modern day newsletter, which is sent by email. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And one of those things that John wrote in here, which I'd like you to take away, is regularly scrub your email list. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that, John? Yeah, I was really quite negligent. Um, with my own business's email list. I had one that had over about 4,000 people on it, um, but I hadn't scrubbed it for quite a while and I, and I wasn't that well educated in it. I'd kept on sending it out every month, but I wasn't that educated in it. And I don't think I've got the knowledge level that you have, but it it's definitely got a bit better. Um, so I didn't bother and I didn't realise it really affected how the um, the sender of my newsletter, um, which was SendGrid, really viewed it and its chances of getting into the inbox of the target uh, audience. 
So scrubbing, there um, in the show notes, um, there will be a couple of resources. There's particular services where you can upload a list and it will test that list and it will tell you if the email um, is being utilised or it bounces. And you should remove those emails from your list because they will affect um, the sendability or the possibility of your email newsletter actually getting into the e- inbox of your of your target. It will affect it um, the wrong way. So every year at least you should utilise one of these services and cleanse your list, your database list that you're utilising as the backbone. Um, if you've got a larger list, and probably Robert, he's got a team and he does a lot of emailing, you probably do this a lot more regularly than once a year, um, I surmise, but you really do need to scrub it and cleanse it. Uh, you surmise correctly. I'm just going to log into my email service right now. Usually when I log in here, we've sent out a few hundred thousand emails a month. Um, that may that may or may not be the case right now. Uh, we're at 213,000 delivered this month so far. Uh, but there's a lot of that that is scrubbed automatically by the service that we use. In other words, if an email is not opened a certain number of times, we stop sending emails to them. And it's automatic. We've got a thousand new contacts that have been added to the list, which is coming from the website. And then we have um, 337 people that have unsubscribed. All of this is done automatically through our email provider. It just depends on what level, how deep you are going to go down the rat, like email rabbit hole. So I'll say this once, and I don't usually say it all that often. The service that I use from an entrepreneur that I really trust and have been enjoying watching him just blow the doors off email marketing is Robly.com, R-O-B-L-Y. But it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the average casual email person. If, if you guys are just brand new getting into email, go ahead and use MailChimp. They do a lot of really cool things too. Um, Robly is a marketer's tool, uh, as are most of the tools that I really use. People that are paying attention to their statistics who have lists are trying to make very, very large lists, trying to really do something in the space. That's that's when you'd use Robly. Um, so create a recognizable newsletter template. So that is something that's interesting because when I first created my first newsletter template, John, I actually copied Neil Patel, who doesn't have a template. He has a plain old typography with no background, no anything, just a couple lines of text like you send me for the MailRite uh, show, the notes. That's basically all he does, like for his email. And I copied him when I first started doing email. Now, since then, I've turned my email over to the head of my brand and content teams, and he's done like a, like a formatted email and branded it and, and all that. I never did. Never. I stuck with white background, title, date, and a couple lines and a link to what I was sending it to, which, which the only reason I did that 
is because that's what Neil Patel was doing. And I figured if it was good enough for the, one of the country's best marketers, mm-hmm. it was good enough for me. Like that's, but we're doing a different thing, you and I. We're, we're, we're messaging realtors. Realtors are messaging consumers and creating a nice background, especially for a lifestyle letter, I would agree with. Like if you're going to do a lifestyle newsletter, if that's the direction you go, I agree 100% with creating a, a, like a brand template. Now, if you were going to design a brand template, do you have any ideas who you'd be designing it with? Well, I think depending on the service, a lot of them offer um, templates that you can adapt and you can hire somebody to do that. There's a number of services that you can hire or you can, your VA or if you've got somebody, they might be able to adapt one of the templates. I, I think, but, you know, it's all linked and I'm sure you have these discussions with your clients, um, it should match in with the website, the logo. If you're sending out a weekly or monthly newsletter, um, I think what you were talking about, there's two sides of email, folks. There's, well, this is how I divide it. There's There's somebody that signed up for your list and you're sending out a general newsletter, weekly, monthly newsletter to them. Um, I think that should be branded. And then there's somebody that signs up for a uh, on a landing page for a lead magnet and you're sending them um, marketing email. But I would, in that circumstance, I would keep it to a bare bone until they also have agreed to sign up for your monthly or weekly newsletter. So there is a bit of divide and there's some, I think when he was talking, there was, it was when Google was introducing their marketing um, folder with Gmail and that that this bare bone um, outlook, that's how I describe it, was a methodology to avoid getting triggered and placed in the marketing folder. But net services like one of the one that you mentioned or MailChimp and others, um, you don't have to be so concerned that your email is going to be entering in the marketing folder so much. Is that making sense? Yep. It does. It does indeed. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm I'm going to say this. We like John titled this thing this this subject that we're talking about today, that the best real estate newsletter engagement strategies. So let me like say the same thing in a drum that I've been beating lately with my clients, my like my team, everybody, and I mean everybody. John right now is coming to me and going, "Let's use AI for this. Let's use AI for that. Let's use AI for this." I mean, my own team. Is 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 talking to me about it so much? I I want to throw my computer out the window, and the reason that I want to throw my computer out the window and and throw I had I've had AI come up twice from clients today. That's true. That like my my level of frustration is very high. Why? Well, with newsletters and everything else that we do in this world. Like a newsletter is is one of your opportunities to communicate to your audience at broad, people that you've already spoken to, and communicate your thoughts on what's happening 
in the marketplace, your thoughts about hyperlocal, why everybody is racing to be the same as everybody else and give a lower quality marketing experience, I don't know. Isn't that always, that's always been the case, isn't it? Whatever, um, wanting wanting results, but... Not wanting to put in the work? Well, you know, but you hire other people, but you're you're not even, you can't afford to hire people, but you can't accept, that's fair enough. You can't hire somebody of a certain quality level to do it for you. But in some ways, you're not accepting it. And the reason why you're not accepting it is you're not accepting it. You're going to have to do the work yourself until you get to the level where you can hire somebody to do it at the quality level to replace you. Yes, an experience I've already had at Inbound RM. So I know, I know this. I know this pain. I'm going to tell everybody the hacks that I used when I got started. Which is number one, if you can, if you can stomach talking to a camera like John and I right now, this is a, a recording of your thoughts. Especially if you get used to just talking to your computer screen like it's another person, or, or share your real, honest thoughts. Let somebody else write them down onto a piece of paper for you. I would do 10-minute little video blurbs. I built my whole business around them. I did not write countless emails or countless processes. <laughs> I let other people do that. But I had to be the one giving the brain food into the business because it was it, it's built on my ideas. I can't just assume everybody else knows what those are. I had to express them at some point. What I didn't have to do is build out the spreadsheets and build out the the, the emails and build out all that stuff. I talk to my people, my people record my thoughts, and they send it out. For those of you who are real estate agents, get used to having a virtual assistant, even if it's for $5 an hour in the Philippines. Let them record your thoughts down, but make sure that you spend the time to tell somebody how you're really feeling about the market, and then let them create the piece based upon your own real thoughts. That's a hack for this. should take well, no longer than 10 minutes. There's great tools now that can take audio file or video, take the audio bit and give you a transcription. You do have to check it. Um, you do have to check it because there will be mistakes in it, and um, but it does really reduce the amount of time. So you can just do it on video, use one of these services, get a transaction transcription, edit it a bit, and it will save an enormous amount of time. Or you hire VA. VA. Absolutely. So moving on to the next subject here, ladies, and actually, hold on, let me check the time. We're going to go to break. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to uh, be digging into the last half of the show. And that's going to be creating compelling uh, subject lines, some great content ideas, how to examine your results once you start getting them. All of that and more when we come back from break. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you had a good break. We sh- certainly did. We had all the coffee and conversation. It's episode number 403. <laughs> and uh, John and I are talking about email newsletters. Now, 
Subject lines. I'm going to give out one recommendation, two recommendations, then John, the rest of it's going to be you. Number one, my favorite, and I do have a favorite on this, my favorite uh, place to go to see subject lines is a post that uh, HubSpot did that is 157 of the best subject lines we've ever seen. They have a very good content team, somebody who actually reads the content, writes the content, who's a marketer, and actually has interesting subject lines that were really that are really cool to chew on. There are other people like Optin Monster that have like 184. Constant Contact has 12. Science of People has 67. To be honest with you, I don't know that those people are really marketers. HubSpot definitely is. So I follow along with HubSpot. That's And then the other place that I've still started to test is uh, anyword.com which uh, has an email subject line generator, which is pretty goddamn cool. But I haven't really used it more than a couple times, but it has been successful the couple times that I've used it. So those are my two recommendations for email subject lines. Where, where, what do you want to recommend to everybody, John? Well, they are, you know, it's a good, uh, good tool is use AI, really, but... It's just a tool. Um, there's an AI tool that I utilize for um, that helps me out. Um, I'm going to blank what it's called. Just give me a second. Um, I use something called Word Hero. Um, but it's only a tool. So really, um, basically, you've got, to put, you've got to put yourself in the shoes of the person receiving the newsletter. The email, you know, would you, if you got, if you were scanning your list of email and you saw it, would you open it? You got to be honest. Would you open that, or would you just trash it? Would you put it in junk straight away? That's because that's what I do. I've, I have a folder structure. I have um, urgent, go back to, get rid of. Um, I've um, because I follow the inbox the zero inbox mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, always have done, um, but that's how I cla- classify them. So you you know you if it's, it's not going to be open straight away unless it's a really really. But I'll I, you would hope that you would get it in to look at again, and at the end of the day or when I have a break, I open it and I look at them. Um, but you got to ask, you got to be honest with yourself. If I got that title, would I save the email or would I open it? And if the answer is no, you need you need to think of a new title. Just got to be honest. And then you can utilize what Rob or the tool that I've suggested. There's a lot of others um, that will help you write an engaging title. I think that that segues really nicely into the next thing. Now, I'm starting to generate a pet peeve from content guys just like me and John because everybody always says compelling content, compelling content, create good content. Okay, everybody. John and I say it. Everybody says it. John wrote it down on this email uh, that he sent to me. And um, compelling content. Compelling. Okay. (laughs) All right. What what can you, is can you say it again? Compelling content. <laughs> compelling. There you go. What is what is compelling? Compelling 
is going to share the who, what, when, why, where of something that is close and personal to the people that you're sending the email to. And generally speaking, the first and most underrated part of being a content producer, a blog writer, a podcast producer like John and I are, it's research. It's actually keyword research or looking at Google Insights or whatever tool you're going to use. But usually there's a minor amount of marketing. Or for those of you who have no marketing chops whatsoever, then here's your informal market research tool. Talk to the people that you are talking to real estate about, even if you're not selling them real estate. Talk to your friends and your family and ask them when you're out looking for a home, what are the things that you're looking for? Can you walk me through the the way that you did your search process? Did you use the internet? Did you not? If you did use the internet, what are the various things that you looked at? That's it. Informal is good. Formal is better. Both are best. So formal is where you actually use marketing tools that support the research process. We've mentioned those tools in other podcasts that we've done, such as SEMrush, AREFs, Uber Suggest from Neil Patel. The list goes on. You search for the things that other people are searching for, and that gives you an understanding of what you might write about. From both the email perspective, keyword research tells you clearly what everybody is using the internet for as it relates to Google. Don't use a hashtag research tool because what people care about on social media and what people care about on high intent search engines are different. We use our Instagram platforms more for amusement and brand awareness efforts than intent-based searches. That doesn't mean we don't buy off those platforms. We do. But we don't necessarily go on them to do deep research. Nobody does. What happens is you back into something and make an impulse decision based on a cool video that you saw, something like that. With Google, you actually go on there with the intent to research something. Would you agree with that, John? Yeah, totally. I approach it this way for... I've been doing a newsletter for about eight years. And um, I think the, the key is linked to our previous discussions, Rob. You, if you've got a niche, um, it's going to be easier. But I combine the niche with curation. And what I mean by curation, um, I normally focus on the niche for the main content, but then I have a sidebar or area where I, if I was agent, I would have, my newsletter would be about my niche, but then I would have local stories. Um, if I was doing a newsletter every month, I would have a curated list of news stories that had some relevance to property. You know, I would get, I would go to the local news resources during the month and I would bookmark any news story that had some property relevance in a subfolder and keep them. And then when it came to writing it, I would utilize those stories. I would take about three or four of the, those stories and I would just have the title, the link, and the first paragraph or less. Um, to you, And I would act as a curator, curation. And then in the main copy, I would have a, a bit which I would write or I... Um, 
which would be focus on the niche. Is that making sense, Rob? Pretty much. So here's here's the way that I would go about it. And I'm, I'm actually not going to mention them by name, but I'm going to give everybody a couple of ideas from top agents who actually generate business from ideas like this. I have one agent who records down case studies and gets permission to use these stories, but he's a very good person who wraps up a case study in story format. Now, what's a case study in story format? It's an experience a client had doing the business that you're doing, such as buying or selling a home, who agrees to let you share their story. And then you you are a compelling storyteller in the sense that maybe you make it funny, you make it interesting. Uh, you know, saying that somebody looked at 12 homes and then I finally found a home that they bought. Yeah, I can say that in one sentence. It's not very compelling. Instead saying, these are the... We had, you know, the first home that we submitted an offer to the client had was up against 35 other people. They offered 25% cash on a million dollar home and uh, the home was sold within an hour. And the second home was something similar to the third home. Stories involve details and sometimes really eye-opening, eye-watering details that make everybody interesting. Facts, figures, and statistics really move the needle in capturing people's interest when you write about them or when you say them on video, especially if they happen to be true. There's something about truth that resonates off all of us. So in the case of sharing somebody who really did look at like 35 different properties, the story becomes more about perseverance than it does about buying the home. It comes about, okay, well, the second offer we, we upped our offer to 50%, okay? And we got beat by somebody who did full cash over 30% over asking within two hours of the offer, offers being submitted. Uh, most of what I'm telling you all is true. So that's the market that we've come from. Notice how compelling that is, other than like more so than we made 12 offers and finally bought a home. It's more compelling. You always do compelling case studies with the client's permission what happened with this customer, by the way, for everybody listening to the show, is eventually what they did is they went out and they took a second loan. They thought they were fine when they first got into the process. They realized that in order to make a deal, they were going to have to have a complete cash offer and likely come in above list. And eventually that is what they did. So they rearranged all of their financial circumstances in order to be able to do that and then finally managed to buy a home at the height of the 2022 housing bubble. <laughs> John is making faces that you cannot see. But that's compelling content. Now, one more for everybody. I have another client who's actually world famous for this strategy. She sends out, she uh, spends the year finding artists that, that work out of the area that she works in, which is two cities that are both very small by population. There are suburbs in New Jersey, and they each have a population of under 100,000. She has business in two cities, and she finds artists that work out of those cities that she likes. She collects their art all year long. At the end of the year, she takes the art that she liked the best from the year prior, and she turns it into a postcard. She has the artist sign the postcard, and she sends out the postcards to all of her customers who oftentimes keep the art on their refrigerator because she's only targeting these two communities. That's it. She doesn't send it out to the whole county, just the two communities that she does business in. She's received attention from Coldwell Banker, from like global, like everybody has heard about this strategy. It's an incredibly compelling strategy that generates her like 50% of her business. Just this one 20,000 
postcard drop. It's not a newsletter, but she oftentimes does write a lot on the postcards. And she oftentimes, like she spends uh, weeks or months, like writing out these postcards. It's her main strategy. And that's what she does. And it, it generates her a massive GCI every year like massive what what the cost of the strategy is is more like just the time to do to make the note and find the cards but it's not costly in terms of dollars it's not it's not expensive it's just simply a little time consuming mm, i think what you're pointing out with that last example is somebody that's thinking a little bit outside the box which i i think is great um you know, if you can think of something that really works that's out of the box, that's going to be more defendable to some extent than some of the other ideas that we've expressed. But I think we're given, I think this has been excellent. I oh, know I'm saying it, Rob, hopefully you feel the same. I, I think this has been an excellent episode. I think we're given a lot of value here. Yeah. And the last little subject here, uh, well, actually, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but analytics, most of the services that you can do business with is tracking the emails. And I'm just going to quickly give you a little data because I opened up my email for part of the show. And like my, I've got three emails that I've sent out, a podcast, interestingly enough, we went through another cycle where we promoted these podcasts or our podcast along with a, a number of others, John. So we once again promoted the MailRite podcast on Inbound REM. That one got sent out to 62,000 people and 21% of them opened up the email and 2.6 of them clicked on the link. The paid advertising strategies was 23,000 people got sent the email, 51% of them opened them and 2.1% clicked on the link. Best real estate shows and movies, 3.1% clicked on the link because everybody likes to be entertained, but only 18.4% opened the email, but 30 out of 35 thousand people that that it got sent to. So you should know your numbers. The numbers speak a lot. I am never surprised when we send out something that's meant to entertain and it does better something than when we send out something that's meant to educate and make people's careers better. Everybody universally would prefer to be entertained than do the hard work. That's just a fact of human nature. If every single person was always going to put their head down, learn what they needed to learn, do what they know they needed to do, Every single person that was listening to this show would be a millionaire. It is hard to create discipline for yourself. So we, as content producers, send out stuff that's meant to be entertaining. And universally, John, it is always like, that's what people open. That's our big emails. That's what draws a lot of attention. And we're not even talking about direct real estate marketing stuff. But I wouldn't know that at all unless I was tracking the analytics. Yeah, I think... You know what? You know you've got to get up to a certain level, but it, you know if you don't measure something, it's really hard to get the result that you're looking for. If you, if there isn't, you know, I've lost a ton of weight over the last two years, but I weigh myself every day. If I didn't weigh, you know, if there's any period where I'm not weighing myself, it reverses. My weight reverses. I, I get. I slowly introduce bad habits, but by weighing myself every day, I, I've managed to keep the 120 pounds that I've lost off. 
um, but it's still, I still have, you know, I try, you know, I have inbuilt habits now that have become real solid changes in operation, but I still have to weigh myself every day. You still have to check your analytics. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a show that we're hoping that you find valuable. I think that what I'd like to leave everybody with is email marketing and newsletter marketing is literally a back, like it is a cornerstone of inbound REM strategy. So the idea of handwriting somebody a missive for me comes back, goes all the way back to Benjamin Franklin. I'm a big reader of biographies and, and histor- historical stuff. And back in the day, people did very long pin pally kind of notes, just about every single famous person that you can think of, Jung, Benjamin Franklin, Jefferson Thompson, Tom, uh, Thompson, all those guys, right? Long written messages. Benjamin Franklin went so far as to create a newspaper and he had one of the very first, if not the very first column on it, which was basically him writing his thoughts about what was going on, like just kind of like writing long format. When I started Inbound REM, I was already in the habit of doing that for my eight or 800 or so contacts that I had at the time that I had built up over 10 years. I'd, every once in a while, I'd just write everybody a blanket email. And there was no real reason to it, John. It was just like, I get in a funk about something in the industry and I'd, I'd say, I got to I gotta share this and I'd write it all down and send it out to all these people. Well, later I discovered that it kept, every, that, like, it kept that, that group of people really connected to me so that when I started Inbound REM, we started with a big like kaboom because I sent out one letter saying I'm doing a thing. And I had like my first six or seven or eight or nine or 10 clients yeah. from one letter. Because of that one strategy, the strategy that we're talking about right now, when you're moving, like for realtors, if you move to another market, engage your audience, get used to the idea that everybody you've spoken to is part of your customer family. Everybody, everybody, that's the brand you should be building. Every single person that you talk to, if you're, if you're creating a high quality branding message, which should be informational, email is going to be the, the back bone of that entire strategy where you get to a chance to communicate to everybody you've ever spoken to, but you do it through email or you do it through video updates. You do it through both. And I do both. That's all I got to say for today, John, if people wanted to reach out or that's all that I wanted to close out the subject with. If let's, John, if people wanted to go ahead and reach you, how yeah. would they do so? Thanks for that, Rob. I'd, I'd like to just quickly add something to what you said. Um, oh, I also am a lover of history and they say history doesn't repeat itself well. That's true, but it definitely rhymes. Uh, um, and it's a bit like people um, talk about social media and some of its woes. Well, it's very linked to the Hearst, Rudolf Hearst, when he got um, popular, popular newspapers, tabloids, and he developed yet what is a style of of journalism that's called yellow journalism, mm-hmm. which, which was the bedrock of popular journalism. And it really, um, social media really has a lot of linkage to yellow journalism uh, and populism. Um, so definitely history rhymes. I just thought, I because I agree with you uh, there. Um, to get hold of Mailwright, just go over to mail-right.com 
and book a book a chat with either me or my co-founder Adam and we we have a chat we try and help you out and let us show you some of the benefits of using MailRite. Back over to you Rob. Hey and ladies and gentlemen I'm going to share one of my favorite marketing strategies with all of you. If I love when I see people that I think are talented marketers and I go and sign up for whatever the marketing thing is that they're, they're teaching. I've done it with Neil Patel. I've done it with countless people. I have hundreds of emails that come in and some of them are from marketers that I appreciate. And I always am keeping track of what they're doing. And I read eh, 40% of them. So go to my website, inboundram.com. Subscribe to my, my email marketing list. And this show will resonate deeply with you because I do practice what I preach. So if you want to see what that is exactly, sign up for my my email newsletter and I'll be happy to share with you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I wish you thank you. Um, and uh, uh, I, I'm working on no sleep and insomnia and hopefully everybody will forgive me for that. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot. So John, please sign us off before I say anything else stupid. Bye. <laughs> Bye.